make those jokes, it's okay. When I do it, it's inappropriate. Hello and welcome to PhD Pen, podcast for early career scholars in the humanities. Each episode, we discuss a different aspect of PhD life, share both the ups and downs, so that if you're doing a PhD, you'll know you're not alone, and so that those of you considering a PhD can get a sense of what you might be in for. My name is Jenny DeBee. I'm from Redwater, Texas, and study Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. My name is Aideen Regan. I'm studying 19th century Irish women's fiction and I'm from County Waterford in Ireland. And I'm Anamala. I'm from Halle in Germany and I research trauma in contemporary literature. This episode is our final episode of season one. We hope that you enjoyed the content we created so far. If you want to support us beyond just listening to our episodes and following us on social media, we have created a Buy Me A Coffee donation page. For our next season, we'd love to upgrade our microphones so we can improve the audio quality of our episodes. If you want to support our tech investment, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash PhD pending now and donate. You'll also find the link in our show notes below. With that said, let's jump into the final episode of season one, Unfunded, PhD money-saving hacks. Okay, guys, so today we want to talk about a topic that is not usually addressed when it comes to the PhD experience. We want to break some, some of the stigmas surrounding some of the sacrifices you make when you're doing a PhD, which you might not have anticipated. And today we're starting with the most obvious one, finances. So first question, I suppose, would be funded or unfunded? What's our situation like? Jenny? What about you? I am currently funded through a student loan from the US government. My loan debt will be much lower than many American students. And if we want to talk about loan financing at some point, I am more than happy to do that for our American listeners. But that is how I am funded currently. I do not have any grants or anything like that. Aideen? I am unfunded, which means I self-fund. I've had a travel bursary before, but other than that, just work and loans and the odd time, you know, I obviously get supported by my parents as well. And I think that's one stigma I think I need to address in the funded versus unfunded. Obviously, it's not ideal. We'd all like to be financially independent. But I remember having this conversation with one of our colleagues before and I kind of said, you know, but I did get a, a little bit of help you know, on this. And they just started laughing and they said, every single one of us <laughs> relies on our parents yeah. at some point. It's the nature of the PhD, we're <laughs> especially in humanities. <laughs> so I think, yeah, that's probably a stigma. I would definitely like to just pop in there that like, don't feel ashamed. We can pay them back eventually. Like if it's a, if it's a difference between you finishing up earlier and not dragging yourself through the dirt, like you yeah. may as well take that opportunity if you're fortunate enough to be able to, obviously. Yeah. And what's your funding situation like? So I have a fee waiver, so I don't have to, you know, scramble together extra money to pay the EU student fees. But other than that, I'm unfunded. Over the last couple of episodes, we talked about this big scholarship that we all didn't get. <laughs> oh, uh, I hate <laughs> that place. <laughs> So in that regard, we're all kind of in the same boat, aren't we? That we're all supporting or we have to support us from, you know, different funds and different sources. 
I'm not sure about, you know, another bit of stigma that we don't really talk about. And that's the impact in terms of financial situations with friends. So I wanted to talk about that and see what you thought. I'm not sure about yourselves, but definitely earlier on in the PhD, I felt really embarrassed that I was always working and yet never had money to go do things that my friends could afford. So I would often, you know, not to bring the mood down or make them feel like they had to change their plans to accommodate me. I would just kind of say, oh, no, you work away. I have a deadline that week or something. Now I'm far more upfront about it. And my friends are great to find that middle ground whereby I don't have to miss out on anything, but we don't all have to pay a fortune. So I never feel like I'm the burden of the group or anything like that, you know, there's ways means to everything. But I'm just wondering, what are some of the excuses that yourselves might be using, you know, whether now or earlier to get out of those expensive situations, whether it be with partners, friends, family, and, you know, what are some of the kind of feelings that come with that? So my favorite one is when I'm at a restaurant, I just go for the, I'm not that hungry, so I just get a, an appetizer <laughs> instead of a full meal. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i just i just had a really big lunch and i i mean i'm just not that hungry for big steak dinner <laughs> all about that chicken goujon plate that every restaurant has <laughs> so yes i'm fine with that salad and tap water so right <laughs> but what i found myself doing is that i purposely schedule meeting my friends outside these traditional lunch and dinner times. So I just avoid those situations in the first place. And I'm lucky that most of my friends know what my situation is like. But obviously, it makes you feel inferior, doesn't it? Because over the last couple of years, we've been doing this for a while. So we're all kind of approaching the end of the PhD one way or the other. So we've been doing this for a couple of years. And we've seen our friends progress from like, shitty jobs just out of their undergrads and they're making money now and they're making good money and at least for my friends I can tell that they don't think about money as much anymore as we are used to in undergrad or doing our MAs whereas I still am thinking about it in those terms and I'm on a very tight schedule and I see them you know being able to not look at the prices of food when we're in the restaurant or they do go for the fancy coffee and not just for the filter coffee and it it always makes me feel a bit inferior and like a bit of a charity project so if someone buys me a pint for example I always feel like a charity project which is really shit in a lot of regards but I mean yeah you just build up Finds are necessary. Like yeah, so. it's, it's, it's necessary. That's what it is. Yeah. We wouldn't have gotten this far without <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But my, my favorite excuse that I'm, I've been using a lot is probably I'm not that hungry. And oh, yeah, I had a very big lunch, so I won't have that much food. <laughs> what about you, Jenny? Not so much the restaurant thing. Like, I, I don't so much do appetizers as I do whatever the chicken dish is, because the chicken dish is always the cheapest dish. But I drink tap water. I never, I went off caffeine as a teenager, so I never get a coffee or a soda or anything like that. Like it's tap water or it's herbal tea are kind of my two go-tos or one glass of wine and that's it. Like I am just, I am a one drink person if we're going out is where I'm at. One glass of wine, one pint, whatever it is, but there's probably only going to be one and I can stretch that sucker 
all evening long. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not very Irish. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm a lightweight American. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, for, for going out then, you know, obviously we don't have that many options now, which has kind of worked in our favor. Saved um, so much money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think as well, because we are that bit older, <laughs> we kind of mostly prefer just going for pizza and pints anyway, rather than a nightclub or, you know, a pub crawl where you'd have to spend a fortune, those things that we probably would have prioritised in undergrad and MA. So I know myself, I'd go for a meal and have a few drinks, which yeah. is expensive, but compared to like the pub crawl or nightclub nights, not, you know, not a tap the on it. of shots um, and the ridiculous cocktails or whatever. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And, you know, and then some nights you just drink at someone's house and mm-hmm. maybe nurse a pint or two, you know, if needs be in the pub after for a few hours. But what about yourself then, like going out out? Is there, you know, any particular tips you try to do to reduce your spending? If you're going out for drinks, let's say, or for a meal, other than picking the cheapest option, do you have any other alternatives or vouchers you'd look up or anything like that? Because I think I'm the worst for that. I'm really bad for checking offers. So do you have any advice in terms of that for me also? (laughs) I'm a big fan of the early bird dinners. Right. We've been doing that for date nights. You can get really good deals for like three course meals and it's always, they always end around six. So if you want to have an early dinner, you could get really, really good deals. I'm not so much the looking up vouchers person, at least not for eating out. I think early bird dinners are like my only really go-to tip, I'd say. I don't know about you, Jenny. Do you have anything? Something that I haven't been doing since I got to Ireland, but that my family has done and that my friends back in the States did was that back when we were all broke undergraduate students as opposed (laughs) to broke PHP students, we would go to a restaurant and we would only do appetizers and desserts. Mm -hmm. So it would be like three appetizers to share with the table and everyone munches on that and then three desserts to share with the table and everyone munches on that. And that's it. Like maybe we each get a drink. But that was a big money saver as opposed to each of us getting a 10 to $15 entree, we split four $6 appetizers and four $8 desserts. Yeah. And it was great. So and it's kind of kind of so like you transformed it into tapas. Kind of, yes. <laughs> dessert tapas. <Yeah. laughs> dessert tapas. Why not? I love sharing a dessert. Like, that is anytime that I'm with people, I'm like, I do not need a full dessert because I'm trying to maintain my figure because some of us don't have boyfriends, some of us need to catch boyfriends. So... <laughs> All about sharing a dessert if I can. If I've got a friend who's like, hmm, the chocolate cake looks good. I'm like, you don't need that whole chocolate cake, but you need half of it. (laughs) Or the other way around. You know what, Jenny? Sometimes sometimes it's better to not have an enabler. It is better to not have someone tell you, you eat what you want. (laughs) (laughs) I think small things around food as well, you forget how much it adds up. Like, obviously, we're all very good for bringing a packed lunch and whatever. But even, like, I don't really buy takeaways i was only thinking about it because that used to be like especially me and my boyfriend's thing we'd always get a takeaway at least once a week and then he moved in and we just never did <laughs> and i think <laughs> how convenient because i yeah <laughs> i think it's because we just plan we get nice stuff in the shop so like i'll buy a two euro aldi pizza and then just put a rake or a load of toppings on it and that's like two fifty altogether, three yeah. euro. Whereas then you think of like all the times you bought like a large pizza and Domino's for eighteen. Yeah. You're like, it's just a ridiculous waste. 
And yeah. I think those things add up, like same for you're talking about the fancy coffees. Like when we were allowed to work in our office, um, much missed, um, you know, we had the fridge, so I was able to bring up like, the barista yeah. milk every week and we had a coffee machine. So I didn't buy those fancy coffees anymore. And then when we had to work from home and obviously all those coffee shops are shut at the height of lockdown, I just bought one of those 40 euro frothers. It's like the cheap Nespresso one. And I use that all the time. So that one initial cost of 40 euro, I definitely would have spent that in a week and a half on campus on coffees before, you know. And I think then if you get things like that, like those little once-off purchases, you save money in the long run. And then I was able to spend money on meals out or trips away, you know, rather than spending that money frivolously, which I always would have before. I actually I actually have a couple of things to say about the whole coffee thing. Sorry, Jenny, that it's is you're the only one who's not addicted to caffeine here. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. Fair play, though. <laughs> I'm addicted to buying really nice herbal teas, so that's its own thing. We can talk about that another day. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of coffee, it's like it's so simple to save money. If you want to make it fancy, obviously you can get yourself an ice frother and, you know, have that, have that experience. But... It's so simple even if you're getting a takeaway coffee to really push down the price and reduce the price. I mean, I've worked as a barista in Starbucks for a good while and there's just like certain hacks that people just don't know about. Like, for example, when it's when it's about just the caffeine, you should always go for the filter coffee that's always cheaper and then gets you more caffeine than a latte or an Americano would just in terms of caffeine levels and if you are into your latte and your americano always go for the grande because that's gonna be two shots of espresso instead of one in the tall and the venti is gonna have only two shots too so you might as well just go for the grande and you still get the same caffeine fix as you would with a venti you just don't spend as much money yeah and it's very simple but i feel like coffee is such a nice and like easy way to save money buy yourself a french press at home or paper filter it's an initial investment but as you said aideen it's it's so easy within a week and a half you know it's fine get yourself a nice travel mug and you're good to go (laughs) you know and even now working from home it's so much easier as well and beans are cheaper too so i'm a big fan of the saving a lot of money when it comes to to fancy coffee and also Saves you lots of calories. Choose that filter coffee on Americano instead of a latte. <laughs> what what do you what do you guys what else do you guys do in terms of saving money on like food when you're doing a food shop in the supermarket? Is there anything in particular? Own brand. I always mm. pick up the own brand stuff. Now, to be fair, right? And this is something I haven't gotten to like shove down people's throats on this podcast yet, so I'm gonna <laughs> do it now. <laughs> I am vegan and I have been for two and a half years. And I will say, like, your food shop is so cheap, so, so cheap. And and you make the chickpea curries and stuff, you know, like, so those own brand stuff are fine. Like, chickpea own brand, grand, passata own brand, fine. If you are a meat eater. tomatoes. Yeah. But if you are someone who eats meat, then obviously, like, don't get those sausage and beans in a tin. (laughs) Like, don't, please don't get own brand stuff in those cases. But, like, everything else. (laughs) own brand is fine particularly Aldi stuff Aldi's own brand stuff is amazing it's much better than like Tesco own brand yeah so I think that's definitely it as well 
as much frozen stuff as you can like as in as much frozen veg and fruit because we all know it's the exact same anyway and just planning your meals I always kind of get the same shop anyway so I know and then whatever's down the like miscellaneous aisles would be my you know fake takeaway for that weekend or whatever generally just plan the same meals like if you like curries plan curries you know if you plan it before you go and don't ever shop hungry oh my god don't, like don't ever shop hungry it's the major thing the amount of money i spend when i am hungry is a lot so yeah definitely just think of that own brand all the way as much frozen as you can and pre-plan your meals i think and always plan in some exciting meals like your pizza or your burritos or whatever you're gonna do yeah yeah I am a big fan of using apps and club cards and stuff like that. Collecting the points and there's, I can only speak for Lido now, their app here in Ireland is actually quite good and you get all the treats. So you get a euro off here or half price here and it, it really adds up. It's like almost a fiver a week that you can save, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's actually a lot. I know I recommended it to you, Jenny. I don't know if you've done it yet. I have not checked it out yet. Do you have any other tips? Well, speaking as a carnivore, <laughs> Aideen, I don't want to offend your vegan sensibilities. No, you're gone. <laughs> Salty. Vegan <laughs> 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 You've met my boyfriend, right? He's... <laughs> Literally I have just... met your boyfriend who is nicknamed after a chicken tender. Yes. <laughs> I always buy meat in family packs, preferably on sale, but I am a big fan of bulk shopping where I can. So like when I buy flour, I buy big bags. When I buy meat, I buy a big pack and then I freeze it in two portion sacks, one portion sacks, whatever. My housemates adore me for this I'm sure because I do take up a lot of our freezer where I can you just get more bang for your buck uh, you get more when you buy those big family packs and as a single woman like a family pack of eight chicken breasts is gonna last me a long time that's a yeah. lot of food for me lots of frozen where I can like you said that sort of thing again because it keeps and that's one of the big problems of learning to shop for just one person is that it goes bad and so that's just money that you throw away in addition to food waste being a terrible thing for the environment. So learning to buy things that will keep things that are frozen, learning how to shop for different things at different stores. Mm. Like Little is always going to have cheaper milk than Tesco, but Tesco has better supply of Asian food. Like I do lots of Asian stir fry noodle fusion thingies. So knowing to go to different stores, being okay with shopping around at different stores for different items, that has been a learning process, but definitely something that you, dear listener, can do. So does anyone pick pack their own lunch? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, who wants to do it? <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about you, whoever you live with, but like Christ, no, mine would never. <laughs> Neither my housemates nor my cat are willing to pack my lunch. So yes, I do pack my own. Because <laughs> I think packing your own lunch can also really make a difference. Not eating up for lunch or buying pre-packed sandwiches. Yeah. That's really helpful. We used to have a deal as well in the office that any time the vegan kebab stall was there, Anne would tell me I wasn't allowed to get one. Do you remember that? Saving money. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going, Aideen? Yeah. Nowhere. All right, if you come back up here with a kebab, you're not allowed back in. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Works so well. Joking aside, like having friends in the PhD that can hold you accountable to that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that you will be shamed when you come into the <laughs> office for buying things at the food stall. Yes. Helps you either to scarf down your food quickly outside the office <laughs> or to not buy it at yeah. all. Not going to tell you which one I've been doing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it does as well. Because you know, when you're in school, it's like you're almost a loser if you bring your lunch. Yeah, so that's it. When you're in the office, then you're a loser if you don't bring your lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier and cheaper. Bring your lunch. <laughs> we just making packed lunches cool again yeah. <laughs> well and good like we had our sandwich toaster thingy remember yeah. that true yeah so it's all about the one time investments moving on in terms of travel have you any travel money saving hacks so my friends usually take the reins when it comes to actually planning. They will look up the best packages or best offers on travel websites or things like Airbnb. And what we'll do is, so if we're doing something like that, we'll always get a food shop in when we get there so that we're not spending mm -hmm. money eating out all the time or grabbing loads of coffees and loads of snacks every five minutes. You know, we might have one meal out a day and then cook the rest. Same with alcohol, which used to be the biggest spend when we were on holidays. Now we'll just probably have a glass of wine with dinner. We also try and book things that are free whenever we can, like free tours or free activities like bodyboarding that costs nothing, you know, or we'll go for hikes or whatever. So things like that. Also, I would say is to look up, for example, I'm going on a trip with my partner soon. So I looked up package deals on hotels individually and then I compared them with pigsback.com to see if there was anything cheaper. And I got like a very nice hotel for 80 euro for one night. That's with a meal included. And then there's a load of free sites to go sightseeing around. So things like that. Just always contrast and compare deal websites. And in terms of actual spending money then, just if you can get in a, like so even if you can bring cheap snacks with you if you're going to a hotel or something like that just to make things a little easier but yeah I'd always compare the deals as well because you might think a package deal is great but then if you went through Airbnb and checked individually okay but I could rent a much nicer place for half that price must be able to afford a meal out so just try and be a bit clever about it that way and just don't always accept the first deal even if it seems great because you might be able to do it cheaper by booking things a little bit individually and obviously at the moment, we're, you know, we're all not flying when it's necessary. So a lot of staycations are quite cheap if you go to the Airbnbs and go to the little yeah. forgotten towns. So I think just start there. What about yourself, Jenny? I guess my big travel insights would be with like the physical getting from one place to the other, because my main ones for when you get to your destination are Airbnb and do your food shop at the grocery store as opposed to going out to eat, that sort of thing. But I do lots of flying between Ireland and the States because that's where I'm from. That's I do at least two trips a year. So always carry your own snacks. Yeah. You're going through the yeah. airport, never pay for airport food unless you absolutely have to, because that is a total ripoff and you can get yeah, just about any true. food item through customs as long as it's not fresh fruit or veg so i always come with a pack of seeds or granola or chocolates or something when i go through security at the airport and have never had any issue with that and an empty water bottle most big international airports now have specific water bottle filling stations, and even if they don't have water bottle filling stations, they will have water fountains or sinks available to you. So again, never pay airport prices for water mm -hmm. because they are ridiculous. Just carry your own empty bottle, that sort of thing. And take advantage of the free wine when you <laughs> fly internationally because 
it makes life just a little bit easier. <laughs> All about that free wine. It's very true. And also, you, you have to know how to pack so that you don't have to book an extra suitcase. So... Obviously, now all the airlines are very much targeted towards, you know, the budget seats and the economy seats and basic economy seats. And if you have to book an extra suitcase, then or if you don't have to book an extra suitcase, know how to pack. I mean, in a small carry on, you could potentially squeeze enough stuff for two weeks if you're clever. Just know I've looked at a couple of those how to pack a suitcase hack videos and you can actually stuff so much into these tiny suitcases, you'd actually be surprised. So I find that very helpful. And also, Aideen, you were saying about, you know, the Travel Hacks websites and the deals and stuff for flights. There's loads of really good Twitter accounts for Aerofares. So sometimes airlines, they're algorithms go wrong somewhere and they will advertise a flight that is usually more expensive or super cheap just because there was a glitch in the software and those twitter accounts and websites they will guide you to those so-called error fares and you could get super cheap flights and then when you book them usually there is in the terms and conditions of the airline there is some kind of clause that says that they, you have to get that flight for the price. So it's not like the airline can back out and be like, well, we just had a software glitch. You can't get the flight for for that cheap. So I saved quite a lot of money with that as well. I mean, obviously you're a bit stuck on destinations and mm -hmm. times, but if you're just following a couple of accounts, it can come in quite handy because um, yeah. some of those are very much, you know, planning long-term next year, next summer when we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, make your own lunch and bring your own water bottle. I feel like those are the, the transferable skills that work in the office and during traveling. <laughs> so what about other stuff? What about, you know, how do you buy books? How you close? What about that? Never buy a new book. Yeah. Unless you absolutely have to, unless it just came out last year and there are literally no used copies. So where where do you where do you buy your used books? Amazon's got a pretty good system of like independent used booksellers that I use a lot. In the States I used a Libris a lot is a big used book website, or at least it used to be. You know, I haven't needed to use it in about five years now, so I'm not entirely sure what the state of it is now. It's not as good at delivering to Ireland, and there's this whole thing about delivering to Ireland that is fun. But yes, always buying used books, either Amazon or Libris, or just Googling to see. There are independent sellers out there, or asking around your department. Interlibrary loans are great in that regard, at least with the US, with the US, sorry. With Ireland, with the Irish system, we can get just about anything for, through our library, it is either an eight euro fee to get it, or we have a number of vouchers that we can get through our department that will let you interlibrary loan books for free. And then you can be a terrible reader and scan the entire book and congratulations, you have it forever, now it's yours. So <laughs> I have done that multiple times, me in the copy room on a Saturday morning for, you know, an hour and a half sitting there. Wink. <laughs> Which we're, which we're not sure about if it's legal, so we do not advise doing that. But how many academics do it? 
All of us. Anyway, <laughs> so I would talk to your librarians and talk to your department about mm -hmm. that and see what the interlibrary loan policy is. See if you can get books for free through vouchers or for that highly reduced price through interlibrary loans. Certainly for getting your materials. Yeah. What about you, Aideen? Yeah, I think the same. I, I Even for non-academic books, but sometimes I will find some ones that are actually relevant to the thesis. I'll always go to charity bookshops or book sales or whatever. Uh, there's one particular in my town a few times a year, and it's, I mean, it's a box of books for a fiver. So I will literally go in and like mm -hmm. scan it for hours. But yeah, there's loads of free resources like archive.org was great for me. It's a lot of 19th century texts. You know, same as Jenny into library loans. I also do it to my local library. If I'm not traveling up campus, I would just get them to do it to my local library, which is handy as well. In terms of like things like clothes, then I'll always go to charity shops first, which is something I used to be averse to because we know the kind of musty smell <laughs> and stuff. But like, obviously, you can bring them home, wash them, and they're perfect. But I just think there's a lot of top shop clothes there's a lot of you know river island clothes primac clothes that mm -hmm. still have tags on i would always go to charity shops first you know things like that like almost exclusively i would shop, shop in charity shop clothes now and just shop around i mean i wouldn't just pick up anything you'd have to find good quality stuff otherwise you're kind of just you know feeding back into the wasted clothes landfill piles yeah i think just things like that always a charity shop a library where you can even for films and stuff but we all have those resources that we all know about and don't talk about because we don't want to get the sites shut down so i would advise if you're stuck and wanting to know what we're talking about it's obviously different for every kind of faculty or whatever but just ask someone in your office or lab or whatever and i guarantee you they'll know exactly what kind of site you're talking about so it's always a word of mouth porn right it's like a secret is that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah what about you Anne? what kind of stuff do you do and I mean, now, now that the, the pandemic is still, is still raging around us, I suppose the charity shop thing mm -hmm. is, you know, difficult to manage for at least some of us. So I've been finding that if you want to look for, you know, vintage clothes, we'll just, we'll just call them vintage clothes. We're not going to call them secondhand musty ugh, clothes. <laughs> yeah. You run them through the wash, they come out <laughs> smelling like your detergent. It's fine. <laughs> Depop is a great app, an international app that sells vintage clothes that I think is really good. And if you're not into that, I think it's just really handy to know when sales are on. So know your mid-season sales, hang in there and wait, never spontaneously buy that dress or that top for full price that you <laughs> really want. You know, it's not about that dopamine hit. It's it's just not going to be that great when... Sometimes it is. <laughs> so if you want to feel that, you know, you can always add it to your online wish list. <laughs> add it to the, the online wish list and then just go back to the website and check if they have maybe a student discount weekend on. Or if the mid-season sales just around the corner or the proper winter or summer sales are just around the corner. So that's sometimes really helpful and big platforms like asos they always have student discounts on so that's really handy as well so know what what you buy and when you buy it and one thing that i always do before i buy new clothes is i need to be able to list three different things in my existing wardrobe that i can pair the new item with 
and that's that's been really handy in terms of managing my <laughs> my clothes and that's a really good practical thing just for weeding out your closet I and mean, we all have way more in our closets than we need to you know to look at each item of clothing and say does this match three other things yeah you know does it spark joy Whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the cool things that you turned me on to Anne, is the h&m clothes recycling program something that at the very least is in the h&ms in ireland and the uk and i suspect the ones in the u.s also yeah europe wide i think it is. as well excellent yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Is that you can take in a bag of your clothes, used clothes or towels, linens, whatever, fabric, and donate it at H&M and you will get a $5, 5 euro voucher off of a purchase of 25 euro or more. So that is really nice and it's not quite free money. It is a nice incentive for cleaning out your closet, for simplifying your wardrobe a little bit. And, of course, is an incentive to come back when the nice sales are on and you can get a whole bunch of stuff for 20 euro as opposed to 25 euro, or 25 as opposed to 30 euro, you know, however much you're intending to spend that day. Yeah, I mean, it's actually money in your pocket then. Yeah. And you're feeling like you're doing something nice for the environment as well. So trying to to combat that fast fashion a small bit because i mean let's face it we can't afford all those big brands that are very much on the organic cotton and recycled things train just quite yet so we can do our bit in smaller versions you know helps assuage the guilt a little bit because the fashion industry is a nightmare and if you're looking to feel bad about the world that is a rabbit hole you should dig into yeah or just ignore entirely because again it makes me feel bad about all sorts of things i think at the end of the day it really boils down to having the highest quality of life that you want to have and the treats that you want to have and that are important to you on a budget but still make it work for you and I think that's a really nice message to take away that you don't have to sacrifice any of the niceties that you have in your life when you're doing a PhD you just have to find other ways around it and be a bit more nifty and thrifty about them I suppose creative yeah just be a bit be a bit more creative so those were our hints, tips and tricks for saving money or doing your PhD on a budget, particularly when unfunded. We would love to hear your own tips and tricks if you want to give us a shout at at PhD Pending Pod. It's the same username on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to support us financially, you can also head over to buymecoffee.com slash PhD Pending Pod now and donate every euro counts. And we will see you again for season two. Guys, that was it for this season. Uh, Our season two will start in three weeks. So it's not just going to be a normal two-week break, but a three-week break. And we will prep for new season and be very excited to have you back in three weeks' time. And until then, feel free to reach out to us on social media. And thanks for listening. This episode of PhD Pending was written and produced by Aideen Regan, Jennifer DeBee, and me, Anna Mahler. Post-production support by Jerome Kelleher. Artwork by Neve Dean. Get in contact with PhD Pending on Twitter at PhD Pending Pod or via email under PhD Pending Pod at gmail.com.